You're listening to Software Defined with Brett Schechter, talking data center technology and beyond. And now, here's your Software Defined host, Brett Schechter. I'd like to thank everybody again for joining the podcast. I've got a very esteemed crew today, so I hope everybody's nice to each other. My boss is on the line. First time I've done that on a podcast could be dangerous. We collectively have probably a hundred or so years of experience in the data storage industry, which is terrifying until we realize like 60 of those are from Flavio. So it's not too bad. What we want to cover today is amplifying a great blog that Flavio has written. He called it Beyond Storage Automating Data. It gets into the reasons why, for the first time perhaps, IT administrators, storage administrators have a very flexible and powerful platform to work with. We're going to get into different aspects of the blog. We'll talk about the autonomous nature of the product, a little bit of how we have different layers that enable unique functionality and unique capabilities that some of the largest companies in the world have been deploying for the last three to four years. We'll also talk about some of the experiences that they've had. I'm going to allow each person to give a little introductory salvo here and introduce themselves and And of course, Flavio, you wrote the blog, so why don't we begin with you? Thanks, Brett, uh, for the opportunity here. My name is Flavio Santoni. I have been in the storage industry for a very long time. I lead the sales and marketing team here at Datera. And yes, we want to talk about, uh, you know, a little bit uh, higher value than just uh, delivering storage products these days. We have the privilege to work with very large uh, enterprises. And we realized that uh, everyone in the storage industry, for many, many years, we continue to innovate around, you know, we want to give the customers more performance. We want to give them the new ability to use the new media technology because it's beneficial to them, whether it is cost or performance. And so we, we created over many years many iterations of similar architectures. And the reality is that when you then overimpose those uh, those technologies into customers that need to manage vast data at scale, and they're really charted with the need to serve the business. The business has very basic needs. They want the data at the right velocity and at the right cost and at the right availability and at the right security. That is what they need to basically run their businesses. We take it down for IT into the IT world and it becomes incredibly complex because there are many, many things that they need to do to basically put all these products to work together and effectively seamlessly deliver to the business. It's almost sometimes what we refer as when we see a a duck on a pond, everything seems nice and calm, but underneath, Maybe it struggled like hell to kind of get the movement going. So the, the point being is that it's very, very complex. So when the Terra engineers look at the problem, they were really looking at the problem more from how do we help customers eliminate all of those complexities and challenges that they go through in their daily management of their infrastructure. And so... In doing so, they had to think about almost like a a cloud-like architecture that could create an environment that was very simple, very elastic, very secure, and do so with, in the the end, also delivering 
a storage product that clearly is ultimately where the data lands. That is really the, the starting point of the Datera, uh, Datera solution. So that's why today we look at, uh, we will, my, the team here will go through some of the, the view of the value propositions that we deliver, but the goal here was to basically create a new paradigm from a, te data, from a technology standpoint where customers could really program what they need from their data and the system need to automatically deliver on those requirements. And that takes a number of innovations that we have in the platform that we're gonna talk about. So again, the goal here is how we help large enterprises manage data at scale and really deliver that data velocity and the economics that customers need to be able to create value and compete. Hey, Flavio, so that's, that's, a, that's a great intro. And I wanna get the other two guys involved as well. Bill, since you've been with the company a little bit longer than Glenn, I'm going to let you go next. I know that you have been on my show a number of times, so my audience knows you, but how about just a quick intro? My name is Bill Borsari. I lead the sales engineering team at Deterra. I've been in the company now since before the product launched, and before that, I'd done a stint at a couple different storage companies, uh, Nimble Storage, which got acquired by Hewlett Packard Enterprise, uh, and a few others. So... Um, all the way back to the old uh, Veritas days, uh, when we talk about software-defined storage, uh, no one used those terms back then, but the old uh, Veritas volume manager was certainly a, a pretty competent piece of storage software. Glenn, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Hey, sure. Thanks a lot, Brett. Uh, so Glenn Miller, I've also been in the industry for a long time. Started off actually at HP uh, back when... You know, the industry was primarily things like mainframes, then you had distributed systems. So I won't say how long I was at HP, but uh, <laughs> I, I spent quite a few uh, years in the uh, in the compute area. After that, I spent 12 years at NetApp working on storage, a lot of focus on uh, data protection. And I joined Datera about a year ago. I mean, one of the things that you really understand as you work in the industry especially as a, a product manager, and that's my role, is that architecture is really important. And one of the things that really attracted me to Deterra is the, the elegance of the architecture, the way that they really thought about not just the current needs, but the future needs, and created an architecture that was incredibly flexible and extensible. Um, and so I'm looking forward to uh, you know taking the product uh, even further going forward. Fantastic. Let me throw out a question and anybody who uh, wants it first can chime in. What is it about Deterra that is so unique? And please compare it both to traditional legacy storage arrays from the big three-letter vendors, compare it to HCI or the cloud. What is Deterra doing that allows somebody to come in that's managing 100 petabytes and say, wow, we've been doing it wrong for a decade. This would help us in so many ways. <clears throat> okay, I'll take it. <clears throat> so I think that th there is no such thing as they did it wrong for a long time because you know IT always had to deal with the building blocks that they had available. And so when we look at uh, the, the type of customers we work with, they clearly elected to, you know, there are clearly very good products, you know, from 
you know, Dell, the Dell EMCs of the world, the HPE of the world, and IBM and Hitachi, you know, they're outstanding products. You know, those were the building blocks that these customers used. Uh, the reality is, you know, we know that these products tend to be difficult to manage or although they continue to get better, but, you know, the costs are significant and they don't provide customers with the agility they need when they need to move quickly. You know, if they want to adopt new technologies, they need to buy a new box and then they need to load the data and, <clears throat> and run the new work, the workload to move it to the new product so that they can use it. And now they manage two products. If a new technology yet come again, now they guess what? They manage three products. And so it becomes very, very challenging when we look at it from a high-level perspective in terms of operating at scale. And that is really the, the crux of the problems we are trying to solve. So what Atera had to do is to really create a software-defined architecture that clearly every software-defined architecture runs on a standard servers. Sometimes they are more proprietary, I would say. You know, they may only run on specific set of servers. In our case, we support a broad set of servers. But the first goal was how do we create an architecture a soft a storage solution that runs with software that can deliver the performance and availability and the features of these high-end storage arrays. That was, was step number one. But step number two was really to deal with the fact that as customers look at scaling over time, they have multiple needs in the same platform. They may need data you know, technology that can help them uh, maximize cost. So they may use lower, higher density technologies that are less expensive, or they may have needs of high-end, uh, very high performance. So how do you try to combine all of that and, you know, avoid managing multiple type of products? And so this is really where the Terra, first and foremost, I created a software-defined layer which is creates a heterogeneous software-defined uh, architecture where we do deliver all of the performance and resiliency of enterprise class of arrays. But the uniqueness there is really the fact that we can handle multiple technologies simultaneously. But that is only the beginning. Now the question is really the data management layer. And the data management layer, now we can really give customers the ability to be very selective. They can define what they want for their application, what they want for their data. And now the software will place the data into the right position that the, guy, that the customers want, whether they want to maximize performance, they may run it on NVMe uh, class of media, whether they, they want to run on lower cost, they may use SATA technology or maybe even hybrid technology, whatever makes sense for them. So now the customer no longer has to worry about how do I manage multiple technologies at scale all at the same time. Everything is automated for them. And the beauty of all of this is that there's no chance for customers to make mistakes because if today they set a policy that placed the data on a certain media class and they feel that they really didn't need to have it there, the customer can just, again, change a policy and the data will move live to another class of media so that they can keep free up more expensive media for more performing workloads. This is just impossible to achieve using traditional products, using traditional software-defined products, or maybe first-generation software-defined products. And frankly, it's even not achievable using the public cloud. Why? Because the public cloud also creates 
storage silos, if you will. Customers need to decide which type of media do I want to select in the cloud. And when they selected that, absolutely, is very simple, is elastic, and so on and so forth. But what if it doesn't belong there? What work do you need to, to do to move it somewhere else? All of that managerial layer is what we were, are trying to, or what we design to basically eliminate. The future is define your data. You can build an heterogeneous architecture if you so choose. And now everything is placed in the right place at the right time for you all the time. So Bill or Glenn, I'm going to ask uh, one of you guys or both to chime in. What are we doing to enable all of the things that Flavio just mentioned? How are we doing it? doesn't have to be from an architectural perspective, but from a technological perspective. I, I think one of the questions you originally asked about the traditional versus where we are today, and I think it's important to mention that the available technology has radically changed from what was available to the architects and implementers of traditional storage technology to where we are now. Um, if we go back even 10 years, um, Flash existed, but it was not in any way common and uh, had a long way to go to mature. Now, we're on the precipice of a transition away from NAND Flash, um, at least for certain workloads, to new technology called 3D Crosspoint. I think the velocity of the technology changing is what's creating those business opportunities that Flavio was talking about. We've also seen dramatic shifts in the network structure within the data center. Historically, networks were north-south. They were designed to receive a packet from the outside world, process it down to a specific location, and get it back out as quickly as possible. And the real value is being created through analytics and being able to churn that data and look at it and to leverage the insights from that data uh, in that response. And that drives a lot more what we call east-west traffic, where systems are talking to each other. You know, as, as Flavio was, was describing what our technology does, you know, it's, it's fundamentally built on this concept of a scale-out architecture where you have this collection of independent nodes, uh, servers, customers choose, different vendors, different media types, as Flavio was talking about, uh, that are bound together into what becomes a storage array. You, you could think of it in those terms. We've been able to, to leverage all of these technologies to, to deliver this, this new flexible capability. It's architecturally, you know, we have traditional constructs like control planes and data planes and the rest of it. That's how the, the technology is, is built. Uh, at each layer, we use a lot of abstraction, um, a lot of, of indirection, if you will, so that those layers become very pluggable, very modular. Um, we try to think as far ahead as we can uh, so that we don't find ourselves uh, in an uh-oh situation. You know, one of our early customers had innovated their data, uh, innovated on their data center in a number of ways. They innovated their network. Um, they're, they're relentless at driving out cost. And they came to us uh, and they looked at our technology and they started asking questions that three years ago other customers weren't asking. And we were able to work with them and implement a system that gave them tremendous freedom. So specifically, uh, imagine your, your data center, hundreds of racks deployed. And traditionally, 
each of those racks has is important. As the organizations begin to scale, the individual racks become far less important. And what becomes much more important is how you map the logical business functions into that sort of genericized uh, hardware infrastructure. So what this customer will do is say, okay, uh, we're going to deploy a rack in our data center. It's going to have X amount of compute driven by the power footprint. And in the top of that rack, we're going to put our switching and we're going to put our storage. And so now they have this pattern that they can stamp out and the Deterra software supports not only the ability to uh, extend that, that storage capability across those racks, uh, but also deeply integrate into their network infrastructure to take advantage of that east-west traffic, that uh, spine leaf architecture, uh, to give them tremendous freedom. So they can literally, without having to pick up and move resources, logically they can decommission, they can reassign, they can grow. Um, they just have the ultimate flexibility and they can do all of that from their desk um, either through automation technology or, or by hand without having to get into the data center, recable things, uh, tell their business constituents, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I'd have to run a wire from, from A to B and that's not going to work because it's too long or it's got to cross through the racks or whatever. All those problems are gone for them. Everything is now built on that backbone of the network and our software allows them to bring that, that storage technology along with their, their vision for the, the data center. Thanks, Bill. I do recall personally being frustrated a decade ago as new technologies were coming out, some of the early iterations of flash and solid state, and the vendors that we purchased did not make, sometimes two, three years, they did not rapidly adopt those technologies. So it, it is absolutely something Dayterra does well. Glenn, uh, from a product perspective, what are some of the compare and contrast that you might offer us? Uh, you've worked for HP, NetApp, some of the greatest storage companies in the world. What is Dayterra doing well and how are we doing it? Well, I think one of the things that we've talked a lot about already is that the fact that the, the system supports heterogeneous media. You know, there are other systems that support that, but I think what makes our solution very unique is that we take it to the nth degree. So not only do we have the ability to provision different types of media for different workloads, but even for a single workload, or we would call it an application instance, you can have different media, one copy of one type of media, maybe a, a NVMe flash for performance, two copies of a lower cost media, for capacity and reduce your cost. And so from the very beginning, we designed the architecture to very elegantly deal with multiple pieces of media. I think what really puts the icing on the cake is that the applications have these policies that are dynamic. So you may initially set up an application with all the data using a specific type of media, and you can change that policy so you change the media. So that's very good if you're trying to tune a system to figure out how to, you know, get the most amount of uh, or the least amount of latency out of the system. But where it really comes into play is when you're introducing new technologies into the system. So we can add the latest, greatest server with the fastest media by just changing the policies in an application. That application can start taking advantage of all the copies on that media, one copy of the media, and that migration process is completely automated. It's driven by the policy engine. And so the user can 
essentially migrate data from one type of media to the other type of media by just either making an API call or you know clicking something in the UI and now their system gets faster and they've completely migrated from the old technology to the new technology. So there's no other platform that has near that type of flexibility for doing um, technology transitions, uh, tuning and things like that. So I think that's probably the most unique thing about the uh, Dayterra system. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Just real quick to answer my own question. One of the biggest frustrations I had as a purchaser of high-end enterprise storage was the three to five year migration life cycle. It was very painful to us as a company. We might have a, a very high performance platform and then four or five years later, the platform itself didn't have the agility to adjust to the new needs as Glenn and, and Bill and Flavio just indicated. So we had to move it out, sell it back to the company at 5% on the dollar and bring in new gear, which was painful for customers. And of course, we're talking back then tens of petabytes, which was quite a bit. So with Dayterra, in theory, and it's actually not theory, it's in practice, we have one or two customers that have been with us for about four years that have the same UUID on their current cluster as they did when they deployed it. They've made a number of changes to the cluster. They've added nodes. They've maybe added Optane or NVMe for performance. They've made policy changes. They've added workloads, but they haven't needed to painfully forklift migrate. That's from my experience. Just as we begin to wrap this up, let us know why either customers you've spoken to or feedback you've received from the analyst community or from even other vendors, why Dayterra is so successful at this point in bringing on these large customers. What is it about legacy gear, whether it's fiber channel, networking, whatever the case may be, why do they feel that Dayterra is their future? So I think that the, the one thing that is really standing out is that you know we actually have a, a very nice white paper to talk about how we now can deliver an architecture that is built for constant change because the fact of life is that you know data continues to grow exponentially requirement change technology change value of data change and so how it's very very complex from for the IT professionals to try to keep all of this all of these things in check to still deliver what we talked at the beginning, give the business the data, the velocity they need, but at the same time, give it to them at the cost that makes sense for the enterprise. And trying to manage all these moving parts of requirements, technologies, value of data, it's just very, very difficult, if not in many cases impossible. So IT professionals end up making compromises. They try to do the best they can to architect for a, a platform that can deliver on what they know today. But how do they plan to create an architecture that if tomorrow the, the requirement change, they can rapidly respond to the business so that the business can be competitive? It's just not possible with traditional fixed building blocks. And that's where we come in with this type of architecture that delivering one the capabilities of enterprise arrays using service but do so in an heterogeneous way 
manage everything through policies with the so that our data management engine that sits on top of the of the different classes of servers constantly place the data where it best fit to meet the need of the enterprise. And as another bonus is we have very deep insights into the system and we can then recommend the customers maybe adjustments that they can make because sometimes the data has expired that useful value on a class of media and we can say you can move it to another class of media because you can save money and you can free space for something else. So this flexibility uh, that we create all automated is just impossible to achieve using traditional fixed building blocks. And that's what the future is all about. You know, it is, again, as data continues to grow, it, just keeping all of these metrics in check is not possible. Now we make that possible. And thank you for uh, setting this up, uh, Brett. Bill or Glenn. The, uh, you, you talk about the enterprise customers and, and what they're looking for. You know, it, as Fabio was saying, there's, it's actually, it, it, you don't make a change uh, if you don't need to. And even if you need to make a change, you don't make it unless it's worthwhile. Because everyone is, you know, effectively under the gun. They have multiple projects. Uh, it's there's a lot happening, especially with COVID, uh, as these organizations are having to address this sort of new reality that we're in. Um, I think from a from a DeTerra perspective, as customers are evaluating, do I keep doing what I'm doing? Um, do I look at maybe a newer version of a traditional technology? Or is it time to make a radical shift and really start to put myself on on a path of the future? Uh, and and like you, or sorry, like Glenn, uh, I, I believe that the architecture of this technology is what is so fundamentally interesting. Um, other scale out scale out technologies typically use a, a programming or a, a, a computational metadata. Um, Deterra doesn't do that. We've devised a system that allows us to not only have scale, but also to target where workloads live and to move them around uh, freely and, and arbitrarily so that we don't have uh, one of the, the big problems with traditional scale-out systems is as they get bigger, they get more rigid uh, and more complex. Um, and it, it's really uh, an interesting design. But what this means for these, these organizations is they can, as they look at their storage portfolios, they say, okay, you know, what are the things I want to do as an organization? I want to be able to adapt to new technologies. We talked about that, right? I also want to be able to manage my supply chain. That is super critical right now. And because the Deterra technology can run on multiple servers uh, from different vendors, it frees up those customers to make that decision and say, look, I'm going to pick two of the, the, the bunch and I'm going to go with those two so that I always have the ability to procure. If one has an issue um, with my, my timelines or delays, I can just switch to the other vendor. And that is hugely valuable. And you know, historically, when, when I was selling storage products in the past, uh, it was, okay, you bought a box, it has a logo, it's got its color. Uh, you wanna put a, a drive or expand it, you had to go back to the vendor, you had to get the same color box and plug it in. With the Deterra technology, it is so flexible that when you go to plug things in, they don't need to be the same box. It doesn't even need to be the same type of box. You can have, one of our customers um, 
because they had dealt with media firmware issues so often, actually multiple of our customers, they're actually deploying different types of media into different what we call failure domains so that if there is a media firmware problem, which is rare but does happen and is incredibly expensive to deal with, it only impacts half or a third of the data set. So it's very, very powerful what we can do that other technologies just simply can't. You can't go to a traditional vendor and be like, hey, can you stock this with half of one drive and half of the other? And then or a third of, of three different drive vendors technologies because I want to protect myself against uh, that situation where you've got the uh, uh, the situation where you have a media firmware issue that you have to deal with. It's it's super esoteric. Many customers haven't had that. But when you've got thousands of disk drives from a single vendor um, and there is a firmware problem, you have a huge uplift to fix that. It's a huge lift. And so, you know, the customers that have been through it look at our architecture and say, wait a minute, not only do you give me this programmability, not only do you give me this innovative data management, not only do you provide the ability to manage my CapEx by selecting different vendors, but because the way we treat data and the way we can uh, target and place it, I can do this, this plus plus of saying, okay, I'm going to get super aggressive here and actually have different types of media. I'm going to use your policy engine to make sure that the, the application still sees a coherent response. And that's what's really special about what we've done. Hey, Bill, thanks. That's a truly an esoteric and unique mitigation of risk and something that I've encountered in a past life as well. I wish I'd had a platform that could have done that. Glenn, how about we let you be the final voice today? I really appreciate all the time that you guys have given. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, one of the things that may intimidate uh, people listening to this podcast is that we're talking about all this flexibility and power. And I think people may be imagining something that's really difficult to manage. And really what we've done is through abstraction and lots of automation, we've been able to make it very easy to manage. And so I think that's why customers like using this solution at scale is that managing a small system is easy, but when you have thousands of objects, um, you really need some sophisticated mechanisms and lots of automation so that the thing doesn't just run away from you. And I think that's why customers like Datera is that they can set something up, create a policy, change the policy, and under the covers, all the work is being done. They don't have to do a lot of manual processes, a lot of tuning, a lot of those sorts of things. And, you know, today, one of the things that's most important is to simplify operations. So I think we've nailed that part. Yeah, fantastic point, Glenn. Again, I want to thank uh, you three gentlemen for joining the Humble Podcast. And I want to let our listeners know probably the best way to get in touch with us is sales at dayterra.io. We would also encourage you to take a look at our website, which is just dayterra.io. Thank you for each of you for your time, and I hope this will be interesting. We'll be back in another couple weeks with another topic. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Software Defined with Brett Schechter. You can email questions and comments to the show at softwaredefineddc at gmail.com. Please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends.